Today on Erotic Awakening, MS Polly. Welcome to Erotic Awakening with Dan and Dawn, a weekly view of all things erotic. From BDSM to erotic spirituality, from swinging as a lifestyle to simply fun kink, each week we bring you a diverse offering of erotic and alternative lifestyles in its many forms. This podcast includes frank discussions of highly sexual topics. This podcast is intended for consenting adults over the age of 18. If you are offended by this type of content, we recommend you stop listening right now. Hi, Dom. Hi, Dan. How's it going? Pretty good. Are you excited? I'm always excited. (laughs) Granted. (laughs) But are you excited that we are one week away from the COPE event? The COPE event. Yes, absolutely. Yep. We are almost there. But before we get into talking about COPE, let's talk about what we just did do. Ooh, Camp Kink. Camp Kink was a fantastic time. First time for us at that event. Mm Mm-hmm. And it was the most relaxed event I've ever been to that still had plenty to do. Still had plenty to do. Um, Nothing was really scheduled, but there was still plenty to do. And it was kind of surprising because it was a local event, but I bet we didn't know at least half of the people there. Yep, and that's always a lot of fun when you get there and nobody knows who you are. But it didn't matter because it was an incredibly friendly event. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, the... uh, one of the people that's primarily in charge of running it is a guy named Myrule, and he just does such a fabulous job of making every individual person feel welcome. Yep. He actually lost his voice by the end of it because he was talking to everybody and making sure he gathered people when he needed to gather people and went over rules and actually did um, door prizes and stuff like that. People contributed all kinds of little gifts, and I ended up with many clothespins. Mini, M-I-N-I, little, itty-bitty clothespins. Too small, <laughs> too small for your nipples. Too yes. Sm- but we will, we will find a place for them to I go. I'm sure we will. <laughs> and if you need an event to go to next year and you like camping and you want to see a guy dance on fire, this is the event to go to. Dance on fire as, on, as in on top of the fire, <laughs> not on fire. Yes. <laughs> Speaking of which, though, our good friend uh, Extra Special Tom was there. Mm-hmm. And oh, was, yes. <laughs> and you had your first opportunity to be fire flogged. Yes. So I got to in the dark and uh, got to try the fire flogging. That is amazing. And my understanding is that fire flogging is literally that. It is taking a pair of floggers, mm-hmm. dousing them in alcohol, and lighting them on fire. And then flogging. Yes, my back. Yes. <laughs> it looked like you were having fun. Absolutely. So that's Camp Kink, and um, learned some other interesting things about Camp Kink about our relationship as well, Mm -hmm. which we'll share a little bit with you guys a little bit later on. In today's episode, though, we're going to be talking to Master Christina, Fink, and Esteban. They did a wonderful presentation at GLLA on master-slave polyamory dynamics, and after the presentation... Um, I kind of snuck up there and asked them if they would sit down with us with a recorder for a little bit and talk about the presentation, talk about master-slave polyamory relationships. Mm-hmm. And they were so they were uh, very kind and generous and sat down with us for a long time and talked about a lot of good stuff. 
Oh, we had more and more questions for them, so we actually had to uh, cut it off for a little bit so that we could fit it into the podcast time. We did, we did. Also on today's show, we are going to be reviewing the blog Journey Into Submission. And this is going to be an interesting blog to review. This is Gray Lily's blog Journey Into Submission. It just so happens that coming up on a later show is another blog called Journey Into Submission. And we're fortunate that the person who writes that one is semi-local, and we'll actually bring them into the studio for that one. Nice. So that would be interesting to follow. I think so as well. So we talked a little bit about Camp Kink, and one of the things that made Camp Kink special for us is we got to bring our new submissive, Jem, with mm-hmm. us. And it just so happens that things went very well. You did a wonderful job of training her on the arts of formal meals and how to do things in the type of MS household that we run. For people that might be new to the show, we do indeed run a formal MS house mm-hmm. called House Meta. And if you're really interested, there's a link on our website, bluecatservices.org. Right, that talks a little bit about who we are and what we believe and things like that. So, but we had a great time with Jim over the weekend. She got plenty of chance to serve and see if that is what spoke to her heart and what she wanted to do. So, One of the really interesting things to me and one of the things that I explained to her about the name that I gave her of Jim is that for myself, I, I believe that submissives, slaves already have that natural ability to be a submissive, to be a slave, and they just need the opportunity and a safe place to allow that aspect of themselves to shine. Mm-hmm. And yep. To let it come out and breathe. And that's certainly been my experience with you over the 10 years we've been together. Mm-hmm. And so far, so good for Jem to have that same instinctual slave heart that seems to want to come out. Absolutely. So, like I said, she did great, a great job. Again, for more information about how we do master-slave stuff, you can head over to bluecatservices.org and find the House Meta link. A lot of our listeners come to us from sacred sexuality, from Tantra, from Kaddishti backgrounds, and this whole master-slave thing can be kind of weird and or scary and or even look abusive from Mm -hmm. the outside. So... We're big fans of going out there, checking it out. Take a look. See for yourself if it what fits your erotic awakening. Absolutely. Beyond that, back to getting ready for COPE. <laughs> I like COPE. We got our tickets. We got our hotel room. Yep. We got plans. We've got plans. So plenty of stuff going on. So scenes being built. And we also get to run the Scarlet Sanctuary. We do. Um... The Scarlet Sanctuary is always fun to try and explain to people. And on the COPE website, which is adventuresinsexuality.org slash COPE2009, and you can just go to adventuresinsexuality.org and find the link there. Or you can go to bluecatservices.org and find the link there. <laughs> Either way. We have a really nice uh, write-up that they did for us on what the Scarlet Sanctuary is. And you can find that under presenters and then find Dan and Dawn and then below that they talk about the event feature called the Scarlet Sanctuary. Scarlet Sanctuary is something that we've been doing for a couple of years now mm-hmm. and this will be our fifth time presenting it. Yep. Two different venues and it is really based on the idea of sacred sexuality in the middle of a erotic BDSM event and it gives people an opportunity to practice sensual touch 
intimate, sacred sexuality that they may not normally find at these kind of events. Exactly. So, and, um, you know, at first we had some people say, well, it probably won't fit in, but you would be surprised. It fits in very well. So whether people are using it to start off their evening, so to uh, prep for a scene, aftercare, you know, whatever it is in their heart that brings them into the sanctuary, it's the right time for them. And Usually with Cope and Winter Wickedness, we pass through there between 40 and 50 people a night. Yeah, yeah. And it's been amazing to me how well it's been received. Mm-hmm. And it's and because it's so hard to describe what it is. Right. You know, um, finding intimate bliss via simple sacred touch. Mm-hmm. Well, that sounds good. But what's that really mean? And it's really difficult to explain to people until you're there in the... Scarlet Sanctuary, being led by a Kadishtu to a table and actually experiencing it for yourself. And we end up with a lot of people that not only does it speak to them, but they end up asking to be uh, givers. Right. As well as just being receivers. Well, and even the ones that we've trained, because we ran a training program, and um, even the ones we trained, you can talk about it and you can talk about it and you can explain it. But it's the hands-on experience that actually taught them what it was we were trying to teach and have them give during these sessions. Very true. But what if? What if this whole sacred touch, sacred sexuality thing isn't your thing? Is it still worth going to cope? Oh, absolutely. (laughs) I think so as well. Uh, This year, their keynote speaker is Midori. Mm -hmm. And... um, Boy, I just keep hearing raves and raves about Midori. I have to admit, though, I have not seen her yet. Nope, haven't seen her and haven't been to one of her workshops. So So they usually follow about the same time as ours, so we don't get to go into hers. Not this year, though. So this this year, year, this year we'll be there checking out Midori, as well as a lot of other uh, fantastic presenters. Uh, Boss Bondage, Loki, I know you're excited about seeing Slay Vets. Mm-hmm, Jerry absolutely. the Rope Guy is going to be there, one of our favorite rope guys. Susie Sexy Sadist is going to be there, and the list goes on and on and on. Just wonderful presenters that we're looking forward to seeing. Ooh, Bell and Jared. Bell and be Jared are going to be there. Some leather title holders are going to be there. So it's just, it's just a really exciting event. It's in a very fancy hotel as well. Mm-hmm. Handsome three-star hotel. They'll have new vendors. They usually rotate vendors around and try their best to bring in new vendors. So there'll be lots of new stuff there. And I know um, Foxy and Sherry Mm -hmm. are going to be vending there as well. And they have different stuff. That's all I can say. Different stuff. Um, And that's something that, you know, for people like Dawn and I who have the opportunity to go to a lot of events. Mm -hmm. Now, I appreciate a good pair of floggers, and I appreciate a pair of handcuffs, and I appreciate a corset as much as the next guy, (laughs) so to speak. Or another woman. (laughs) So to speak. But when we go to these events, one of the things that I really enjoy that Barak and Sheba bring to us is vendors that I don't see at other events, right? Foxy and Sherry's uh, stuff is like nothing you've seen at any other event. Mm-hmm. And some of the other vendors that they bring in are, are just fantastic. It's like, wow, I've never seen this kind of stuff. Right. You know, and that's one of the things that we look forward to because we like shopping. We like shopping, but we like shopping for unique stuff. Exactly. Things that are right. just a little bit different. I mean, after 
10, 11 years, we've got enough floggers, we've got enough paddles, you know, it's time for something new. And the last thing that I want to tell people about COPE is that I know that when a lot of these events cost a lot of money. Now, if if you want to go to a sacred sexuality event, you're going to pay big fat bucks. A weekend event's (laughs) going to start at $500 minimum. At least, yeah. For the BDSM events, you're normally paying 100 150 200 in that range, mm-hmm. right? Um, COPE is not only one of the nicer events, it's also one of the most economically friendly events. Mm-hmm. They're not there trying to pull in the big dollars. They're there to make sure that they can entertain people at a reasonable price. And, um, you know, if you're getting started in exploring these kind of events, it's a great way to start. Very friendly group. Um, just can't say enough about the Adventures and Sexualities uh, event, COPE, and also Winter Wickedness, which they'll run about six months from now. Right. So, without further ado, what do you want to talk about next? Should we go right into this blog review? Can do. Okay. This week we are reviewing the Journey into Submission blog by Gray Lilly. And you'll find that in journeyintosubmission.com. Unlike some of our other blogs that we've reviewed lately, this has no pornographic images, no... <laughs> but it's okay. <laughs> but it's okay. There's the entire interview, uh, or the entire review for Dawn's Scent. Okay. Oh. <laughs> but wait, there's more. Uh-oh. Okay, there's more. What it is, though, is a BDSM love journal. Oh. You see, that's nice. (laughs) That is nice. Grey Lily describes herself as a 30-something polyamorous bisexual submissive masochist who occasionally has a thing for bondage and flogging. Yay! (laughs) But, as I said, it is a BDSM love journal. And you see that when you read this blog. Um, One of the first things that we come across is her... Journeys into herself, her looking into the mirror. Um, She has some poetry on here. There's a love poem. Her wet fantasies about Stallone. She's a writer. She's a storyteller. This is nice. It is. Mm, I was on my hands and knees scrubbing. Cat poo. She was scrubbing cat poo. I didn't get that far. (laughs) Oh, she was. Okay. (laughs) Okay. But, and there's a great example of what this blog's going to give you, right? Mm-hmm. It starts off with, I was on my hands and knees, you know, cleaning cat poo. Mm-hmm. This is stuff that normal people have to do, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then she goes on and will talk about, you know, how this is an act of sur- submission for her. How this is an act of um, service for her, mm. you know? And it is, and this is one of the things that I've had to train my submissives on, is that sometimes being a submissive in the BDSM lifestyle, sometimes being a slave in the master-slave lifestyle is about going to parties and getting spanked and getting shown off and being on the, you know, the on a leash of a guy who's all dressed in leather and looking good and all that kind of stuff. And all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff's fine. Mm-hmm. Sometimes being a submissive, sometimes being a slave is cleaning the cat poo. Sometimes it is doing the laundry. Sometimes it is making sure that life necessities are taken care of so that focus can be maintained on the relationship. Absolutely. So, you know, the only difference is that we do it knowing that in our heart 
you know, we are submissive, we are slave, and doing it with that sort of intent. Yep. So one last little thing about her blog. I'm going to read this paragraph, and from there you can decide if it's the kind of blog that you want to go check out. I looked at him, feeling that funny feeling I get sometimes, the one that hits me when I think about the place in my life that seems to have always been waiting for Michael, much like I was waiting for my children before they were ever born or even conceived. He was meant to be in my life. The distinct and individual characteristics that make up who he is were meant to fill the spaces in the way I live. So this is not a blog that is going to fill you with erotica. This is going to be a blog that is on a deeper level. Other aspects, there's a little bit of commercial here and there, a couple of links you can click on to go buy stuff, and a I Love FetLife badge. I kind of like that one. <laughs> um, you can visit her FetLife profile to find out more about Grey Lily. You can email her. Uh, she even has some pictures of her aprons. Not sure what that's about. So that's journeyintosubmission.com. If you're looking for a BDSM love journal, that's one you might want to go check out. Nice. So not long ago, we got a, I had the opportunity to sit down with Master Christina, Fink, and Esteban and had a, just a great conversation with them regarding master-slave polyamorous relationships. And here it is. Yay. <laughs> the tricky part is not to record me singing. Right. While we still have a few listeners left. <laughs> we are sitting here today with Christina, Fink, and Esteban. And Christina, if you could help us understand the dynamics of the relationships here, because that's going to lead into what we're talking about. Well, we live in a poly family. I am the master of Fink and of Esty. And I am married to Derek, who isn't here. And he is also a master, and he co-owns Esty with me, but doesn't have a relationship with Fink, aside from being very good friends and roommates. And the four of us live in one house, and we're all poly. And... There are various other relationships outside the house, but that's the core. Okay. Now, many of our listeners are familiar with polyamory and V relationships and different kinds of relationships. I don't think you've really spelled out a letter at all. Oh, God, don't ask for a letter. It's like a barn door with an X. We tried to figure this oh, out one okay. day, and it took like an hour of being amused, but we didn't come up with a letter. <laughs> so how is it that you guys ended up, what started first? Was it the master-slave relationship, or was it a polyamory relationship that started first? Um... Derek and I were into the BDSM kink scene first, okay. and we were a monogamous couple when we began, although I think both of us for a long time knew that there was something more to that within us, but we didn't really get into that until we were pretty secure in that relationship. Mm -hmm. And then um, I actually, Derek knew both Fink and Esty for a long time, and I had known Fink for a while. Esty came first, and then Fink came along after that. But Fink moved in first before Esty got done with school and moved in. So it's, like all poly families, it's highly complex. <laughs> so Esty, how is it that you became part of this triad? At the point, it would be, it was just you and your husband, right, Christina? Mm -hmm. it, well, so. we had another submissive at the time. But he had, I think right about the time we started talking to SD about BDSM stuff, he was gone, or right about gone. Okay. So were you thinking, oh, I want to be, I want to serve, 
or I want to serve. And my understanding is, in a, because you're calling this a polyamorous relationship, there is some some level of emotional connection. Is that oh, correct? definitely, yeah. Is that what you were looking for, Esty? When at the beginning, we met on the internet, like most. Uh, Awkward situations do. <laughs> I hear those internet relationships don't really work that <laughs> Well, that's the thing. Uh, I actually got to uh, move forward with it because she was at a uh, psychology convention in Sarasota, and I was at the time living in Tampa, and I had the rest of the week off. They were going to be there. Uh, Derek had invited me down. She had a little more trepidation about meeting random people on the internet, but... <laughs> I uh, went ahead and visited, not so much because I was looking for anything, I just remember being really excited that, oh boy, I get to meet people who aren't uh, very plain. Um, <laughs> I mean, I knew I liked some kink, and I had done very minor uh, BDSM stuff before, mostly flings, so I was like, oh, worst comes to worst, I have a nice meeting, maybe dinner, and... If something more happens, great. And uh, something more did happen. <laughs> uh, they had me stay over, in fact. That's how much more happened. And, um, <laughs> from there, we just kept in contact. Uh, they wanted me to visit, like, two months afterwards. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, Christ. I only like, spent three nights over there. But that was a good thing because it really got me out of uh, Tampa and realized, hey, I could probably do this. This could happen. I just had to finish working and going to school and all that so mm -hmm. those were complications but it kind of just developed naturally how, and how long ago was that that first meeting uh what was it now i look really bad don't i <laughs> three years <laughs> three years yes okay so absolutely this is something that's clearly been working mm -hmm. so far and then and then Fink comes along. Yes, I came along. We actually met on eHarmony. We were perfect matches. Oh, we were no, no, to, no, to be honest, to be honest, the, the thing they're pressing is we met on a furry site. Yeah, okay. of all things to me, I, it's, I know everyone else is afraid to admit it. I'm um, not a furry. Derek is. Yes, she's no, she's not at all. No, I'm really not. No, no. I don't mind it. We met, we met actually because she hooked me up with that submissive she mentioned earlier. <laughs> She hooked me up as a boyfriend to him after she decided that he wasn't really working with their uh, relationship. No, I hooked him up with you before. Oh, okay, before. He wasn't working out for us. A few minutes before I you failed with him. Shut up. Anyway, she hooked me up with him. I can see the powerful master slave right master now. Master it's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> well, it's, it was very, very kind, actually. He's a very sweet guy, but it didn't work out because mm -hmm. he wasn't completely honest in the relationship. And I found out. After three months, he had had a relationship with someone else for about three months, and he told me then that he was about to be collared by someone in Texas, even though we had plans to move to San Jose together. <laughs> so it was pretty, you know, intense to find out as you were about to order him flowers for, you know, a, like six month anniversary that he's moving in with someone else, and he thought you'd broken up three months ago. <laughs> Though he didn't let me know. So after that, we got back together. We started talking a lot more because she had just kind of pushed me at him as opposed to us connecting. So we got back together. We got connected. We did a lot of uh, webcam and then Skyping and talking because we couldn't really afford to visit each other constantly as much mm -hmm. as we'd like to. And then exactly two years ago on this day, or a day ago, I guess, we, left, we met in Las Vegas because I lived a few hours away in Salt Lake City, and she flew in to visit me and we met by me being 
naked on the floor in cuffs and a blindfold on a hotel room floor as she came in to to inspect me and make sure I was okay. So Nice. That was how we met two years ago. I'd like to point out that he and my husband had been friends for years on the online furry... um, I guess it's a social group. It's a social group. Say, yes. Network. Yeah, that works. That Network. Works. Okay. So we knew he wasn't a serial. Yes, I'm a, I'm a horrible, horrible nerd. So <laughs> we were nerds together, though. We're co-nerds in our household, really. So. Coming soon to an episode near you. Yeah. What the hell's a furry? Yes. <laughs> we'll, save we'll save that. Don't worry. I'm sure. I'm sure if they're on the internet, they know what it is, and they probably don't want to hear about it. So it's okay. Now you said something about that. One of the problems was that the person wasn't completely honest. And in your presentation earlier, I heard you guys talking about this whole complete honesty thing. Now. When you say that, I mean, how really important is? I mean, in relationships, or people really need to be completely honest. For example, if I think you look fat in that shirt, am I supposed to say you look fat in that shirt? Or if I find Esteban kind of um, kind of attractive, I'm not supposed to tell you guys that, and he's probably not supposed to tell you that either. Isn't this a poly podcast? It's okay. I think. <laughs> that's what I'm, well, that's what I'm asking you guys. Right? Honesty is really important, but it's good to temper it with good sense because you don't walk up to you know a police officer and say, "Hey, I just sped," you know, going like 85 <laughs> down the street, and okay. you should really give me a ticket for this. You just have to make sure you're using good sense in that sort of thing. When I said he wasn't honest with me, we had an open relationship. He's bi, I'm more gay, and obviously I didn't want to restrict him to, you know, from doing stuff with girls, so I was fine with that. I thought it was kind of hot. He was hooking up with girls locally, but he just didn't tell me about it this time. So. Okay, so it's not enough to just be in an open relationship. You just have to tell people when you're, you know, doing stuff with someone. It wouldn't have bothered me at all had he told me about it, but he never talked to me about it. He never... Never went on about that. The whole transparency thing. Yes. So. So, well, let's talk a little bit about the whole sex thing. Who's sticking who in what (laughs) in your relationship, and is it important? So the first part of the question is, who has an active sexual relationship with whom? And part two of the question is... They're willing to share. No, we want the naughty bits. We we like the naughty bits. Yeah, who doesn't like the naughty bits? (laughs) And part two, is this important to a polyamorous relationship? If we're in a relationship, does that impl- does this polyamory thing imply that there's sex happening? I think that really depends on the person and how people interconnect intimately. I don't think intimately has to be about sex. Okay, for me, it has to be about sex. I'll just be honest. But I don't think it's that way for everybody. In our household, um, pretty much everybody has a fairly high sex drive. And so, yeah, there's a lot of sex going on. But it's not all about the sex. Not to use some other podcast term. Uh, but, uh, that plug for Polly Weekly. No. <laughs> we love Polly Weekly, no, so plug it away. Um, so, like I said, Fink is mine and Fink is gay, but he makes certain exceptions, one of which for me. Well, I, I said, well, I haven't actually said because you guys weren't in the interview. Um, I told earlier, they asked the same question, and my main relationship with Christina is service. It's a master-slave relationship, and the number one thing that I find attractive or find invigorating sexually is service. So it doesn't really matter what bits are hidden under the pants. If it's a service relationship... Mm-hmm. Or a service role, that's the part that gets me excited about it. So gender there is below service. I would put service above gender preference for me. Where would you put love then? In our polyamorous conversations we've had with people before, it's been about love. 
And this is the first time we've interviewed someone who includes the master-slave dynamic to it. Mm -hmm. So, what is the driver? What's more important if something conflicts with the MS and the love, which one goes first? Well, we're tr we try very hard in this household to be honest, above all else, to be honest. So, we would be honest with each other about our feelings, but on the other hand, both, well, Fink primarily has a very straightforward written contract that he signed and that we agreed to that says exactly what his absolute requirements are. And to shirk any of those requirements would be um, him leaving the relationship. So in some ways that would be primary. On the other hand, I'm trying to be, anyway, a very compassionate master and I wouldn't keep him from um, exploring some relationship were he to fall in love with somebody who's vanilla, he's had boyfriends in the past who were fairly not kinky, and that's been fine too. And I try to give him the um, free time and the leeway to explore those relationships, and Derek and I do the same with SD too. Mm -hmm. I have to say for me, love is kind of a fluid thing. You know, I know we have a bond, and love is, is intense in there, but I don't think of it as having a role. I think of that it strengthens our relationship. I think that it's important between us, but I think that the service that I provide to her builds that relationship and deepens the love that we have. I would say it's it's more of a background feeling for each other than it is an importance in a list. I would say my duties to her are, are more of the important list items and that love is just what what comes from me doing those things for her. So I would say by providing my service I'm deepening that love and by providing the service I'm showing her that I love her. Okay, very cool. Very cool. I want to say, you know that Sorry. really shitty Billy Joel song, I Love You Just The Way You Are? It's kind of like that. <laughs> I don't think you can really separate a lot of the master-slave and the love thing because, like Christina said, what do you include in her contract with Fink? I don't have one, probably not yet. Um, <laughs> but it wasn't things like, well, you forgot to do the silverware, so there's a door. Um, it's more like this is how I want to interact with you. This is how I expect you to behave. I mean, you probably don't go with someone out, go out with someone and it's like, well, the first couple of dates you were great, but now that you're acting like a real jerk, I'm going to stick with you just because, you know, the first couple of times you're great. It's kind of like breaking a contract. What you had expected with from that person is what you wanted from that person. And once that's gone, then it's not really, they're not really that attractive anymore. So... I think it's very hard to separate this love and master-slave thing. They're not two separate things. Mm -hmm. very much tied together. Very cool. Makes a lot of sense. So, um, well, my question for you is the whole reason we're talking about this. You know, you did a presentation earlier. So tell us a little bit about the presentation and what that was leading up to. Okay. Well, we did a presentation this morning. We're at uh, GLLA, which is Great Lakes Leather Alliance weekend in uh, Indianapolis. And <laughs> Fink and I are contestants in the Master Slave contest. And the Master Slave uh, leather title is a teaching title, which means that uh, we will have been and will to continue to travel to lots of different events and do uh, presentations. And we have the support of our community in doing that. And every contestant pair gets to pick a topic that's close to their heart, that's something, sometimes they call it a platform or something that they want to 
support and get some more knowledge out there about. And so Fink and I didn't have much trouble choosing what our platform topic would be. So our presentation this morning and what we teach on is incorporating polyamory in a master-slave dynamic when either one or both of the partners are polyamorous. So Great. I mean, that actually spoke to us because, <laughs> you know, we deal with that stuff too. So it's nice to hear it coming from another, another couple, another triad, another group, another Quintad? I think it's a unique thing too because master-slave relationships are so unique and poly relationships are so unique. And blending the two together just feels, almost feels, if you look at it from the outside view, feels like not really the best two things to go together. But it does work very well together when you get it to work. And I think yes. it really deepens all the relationships involved. Mm -hmm. so, and we got to hear all the buzzwords. So, <laughs> the jealousy, the envious, the enviousness. We didn't <laughs> use know, NRE. Well, we only yeah. had 10 minutes for the graded part right. of our presentation. Right. So, and there were a lot of good questions and a lot of good answers Just on definitely. that, too. So... I was really surprised there were something like 18 minutes of questions after a 10-minute right. presentation. I but I think that, that speaks to how many people are in the master-slave and leather community who are really interested in poly or in trying to get into a master-slave relationship but don't know how to make those two very seemingly disparate things fit together. Right, right. because MS is hard enough as it is. Oh, definitely. Poly is hard enough yes. as it is. Putting them together, yeah, it's exponentially difficult. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and then you add BDSM into the mix, and you're just you're you're all over the place. <laughs> so, so we've discussed how difficult it is. I have one more question for you guys, if you don't mind. If I understand correctly, there's there's five and five four four, four. one two three five four. Pretty sure it's right. <laughs> four. It's is four. that enough? Or if someone else came along? Is five six seven eight okay? You know, in our household, we remember that love is an unlimited resource, but time is a limited resource, mm -hmm. and there is only so much time in the day. I'm in a PhD program and a research scientist. Fink is in school, um, writes for the school paper, and is really busy. Esty and Derek work. It's just there's so much going on. I. We would make room for whatever came our way somehow, but we're certainly not actively looking for anybody else right hey, now. Hey. Okay, well, <laughs> you're not. <laughs> I, I recently broke up with a boyfriend who was in oh, a long distance okay. relationship. It was a mutual thing. We just weren't working out. We were still really good friends. I think it really depends on what you're looking for. I think there's no size limitation. It just depends on how much you can handle and how much the family can handle. And thinking of all your partners and what you need, you know, getting your needs met is the most important thing. Yeah, my point being, I just don't think we have room or time for anybody else who lived with us. But we have a we have a coal room downstairs. <laughs> if you want to live in a coal room, it's about uh, you know, he's oddly fascinated by, with the coal by room. six feet. If, uh, <laughs> it's, it's completely unlit, and there's a big steel lock on the outside. Of it. That might that might yeah appeal to some people. people. Yeah. That might work. It's roomier than what the gimp got in Pulp Fiction. I'll say. Yeah, it is. It's, it's much nicer. It's much nicer. Very cool. Okay, Esteban Fink. Christina? No? Christina. <laughs> yeah, I'm chopping that out. <laughs> Esteban, Fink, Christina, thank you very much for uh, being with us today. Good luck with the title competition. Thank you. And um, now about that furry thing. <laughs> you guys just dress up and... Uh... <laughs> Next week on Erotic Awakening... 
The Gorian Lifestyle. Dun, dun, dun.